As creators, we're always looking to do better, be better, and get better results when it comes to the content that we're creating and sharing with our audience, right? But sometimes we find ourselves stuck. We have a great idea, think to ourselves, wow, my audience is going to love this, and then we share it and don't get the response that we expected. How many times has this happened to you? Whenever I find myself not sure exactly what to create that I can almost guarantee will garner a great response from my audience, I look at the one very important factor that literally does not lie, the data. As a creator who wants to consistently do better, we need to know how to look at the data that apps like Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and YouTube provide us with, find what that data is trying to tell us, and then use it to our advantage. This is actually how I come up with all of my video ideas for TikTok each week. I scroll back through the previous weeks and I look at what performed best. Then I try to remake those videos in fresh new ways. I know my audience loved them once, so why wouldn't people love to see a fresh take on it? I plan my Instagram content using a similar method too. Typically, I look back at the previous month's data and see what garnered the most interactions and reach. Then I look through that content to see the video's lengths, hooks, and topics, as well as the post captions, hashtags, and actual visual content and see what they have in common. Then I take note of those things and use it to create my content for the coming week. Learning how to analyze data sounds like it might be tedious and boring, but once you start to see the real results that it will bring you, I can guarantee you'll be as addicted as myself and this week's guests are. I'm Kristen Busquette, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years, and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. This week, we're here with Jules Montgomery, content creator and CEO founder of Influent, a company seeking to allow creators to just be creators. It's the platform where you'll be able to scour brand deal opportunities, read reviews from some of the top brands other creators have worked with, learn how to create amazing content, and even calculate what your rates should look like. Today, Jules is diving into all things data and analytics. She's giving us the scoop on what she did to find exactly what her audience wanted to see more of from her and how she tracked it all in a spreadsheet that you can even recreate. She'll walk us through all the types of data that are important for us creators to be paying attention to so that we're able to do more of what's working on our pages. Plus, she's sharing tips on how this can help you land brand deals. We're giving you the scoop on all things becoming a better creator with the help of data and analytics. This My Biz BFF is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 39 of Social Scoop. My name is Kristen, and this week especially, I'm so glad that you're here. Not to get too deep with you guys, but this week for me has been super difficult. I have never been in an ER before, but I've spent my entire last week in and out of urgent cares, ERs, doctor's offices, trying to figure out what is going on with my migraines. And I just feel so grateful that I'm feeling okay enough to even record today. So thank you guys so much for the love and support that you've shown me in the last week, especially, but always. And use this as an opportunity to check in on some of your friends and see how everyone is doing around you that maybe you haven't checked in with for a while. 
Anyway, the Social Meet Monthly Creator Membership, you guys, I've told you in the last couple of weeks is officially live and we have over 50 high quality creators for you to connect with in this community. Aside from the community though, each month you're going to be provided with literally everything you need to to be a successful creator. So we've got templates, exclusive podcast episodes, weekly reels, trending sounds, live Q&A office hours that we're actually doing later this week, and our collaborative brand email database that is growing literally every single day. This month, we're actually releasing our exclusive podcast episode there for our community where we're answering all of your questions about landing and negotiating brand deals, which I know is something that so many people struggle with. It can be scary. And we've also shared our Becoming a UGC Creator ebook, our brand contract template, and our creator rate sheet where you can learn exactly what your starting rate should be if you're having trouble creating those fair rates. Plus, I want to get to know you personally. So when you enroll, you'll be able to actually book a private one-on-one get-to-know-you call where I can just learn more about you and your struggles so that I can help point you in the right direction in this membership. So head to the link in the description to get in on this booming creator community, and I will see you guys there. Not too much happening for news this week, but there are a few pretty important things that I wanted to share with you. First of all, the Instagram affiliate feature will no longer be available as of August 31st. I have to say this one literally broke my heart. I know that you guys have probably seen me talk about it quite a bit, and I know that not everyone has it, but let me tell you, for those of us who had it, it's really been such a huge game changer in our reach. And I have to say, as someone who's kind of been using this as like my sole way of reaching people, I'm really nervous that when it goes away at the end of August, that my reach is going to tank and I will be very much not motivated. So this kind of stinks, but I wanted to read you a little quote on why this is happening. So I got my information from Business Insider in the show notes that are linked in the description. You can actually read the whole article, but this is what Meta told Business Insider. We want to make Instagram the best place for creators to earn a living by partnering with brands. To do this, we're focusing on Instagram's creator marketplace, a singular destination where brands and creators can more easily build content partnerships and ending the current test of Instagram's on-site affiliate. So basically, they're saying that they're getting rid of this affiliate program so that they can put all of their focus into the creator marketplace, which I, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see how this creator marketplace actually works and and if it's, you know, really awesome or not. From what I understand of the creator marketplace, it's almost going to be like a, you know, Aspire IQ or an Activate kind of situation on the actual Instagram platform. So I can see it being really beneficial. I just hope it's worth it. And I hope that we actually are able to land some brand deals from this, this new marketplace. So we'll see how it goes. However, if you are using the Instagram affiliate feature, you have until the end of this month. So milk it guys. (laughs) I will be using it as often as possible. Also, TikTok is testing the ability to speed videos or slow them down. So options go from 0.5x to 2x. So if you wanted to slow down a video or speed it up to two times speed, that is something that they're actually testing right now. And I can definitely see a few situations where this would be really helpful. There are videos that I've, I've watched. I'm like, oh my gosh, just like get to it, get to the point. And so I would like to, <laughs> to kind of speed through those. So I can see this being helpful, but it's a pretty cool little feature. I'm excited to see it. Also, Instagram is working on broadcast chats. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not 
totally understanding exactly what the point of this is for, but I'll tell you what it is. So this will include read-only chats where admins and collaborators can send messages and readers who are in this broadcast chat can read and react to the messages. So it's almost like this little group where you'll be able to, as an admin, share messages that people who are in your broadcast chat can read but they can't type back. So it's not a group chat. It's more of like a bulletin where you share news or you share something important or some sort of update, and then your audience can just look at it, read it, and react to it. You will be able to pin these to your profile for anyone to find and join. I'm personally not sure exactly how I would use this. I really was trying to think about it before. Before I recorded this so I could give you guys some ideas, but I just really can't think of anything that like is getting me very excited. But I did want to mention it to you so that you can get your wheels turning and see if there's anything that you can think of to use broadcast chats. And if you think of anything, feel free to send me a DM because <laughs> I'm kind of out of ideas. Maybe my brain is just mush after this week. Who knows? Guys, we have officially launched our UGC Creator Bundle. It includes everything that you need to get started as a user-generated content creator. Last week's episode all about UGC was poppin'. You guys clearly are super excited about UGC. So we have our 50-plus page ebook that is packed with scripts, tips, and a step-by-step guide to generating income while creating top-notch content for brands. And we have a portfolio template in there so you can get started away, right away. So our Becoming a UGC ebook includes over 50 pages of step-by-step instructions so that you can get into UGC really quickly. So it's now available in our Etsy shop for under 20 bucks, or you can actually get it for free by becoming a member in our private membership community. So I will see you guys hopefully in the community. If not, you can grab this ebook on our Etsy shop or in our bio. Without further ado, let's dive into some data and analytics. I know that this topic doesn't seem like the most exciting because data and analytics feels like it could get really boring, but once you guys see the magic that this can create for you and your content and your pages, you're going to be obsessed with data like I am. So I'm very excited to hear what you guys think after listening to this episode. Feel free to send me a DM and let's talk about it some more. Without further ado, here's Jules Montgomery. I'm so excited today. I have Jules Montgomery here, who is such an amazing creator. She has so much going on, and I can't wait for her to tell you all about it. But today, we are going to be diving into data and analytics, because obviously those are very important for creators to pay attention to, but sometimes they can be overwhelming. So Jules has a lot that she's going to share with us today on how we can manage all of our data and analytics and eventually become better creators. So Jules, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay, so get out, get started off by just kind of giving us a little bit about you. Like, give us the whole story. Who is Jules Montgomery? Yeah, for I'll, I'll take it back seventy percent of the way. Um, <laughs> I was working a nine to five and hated it. On the side, I started an e-commerce business, and when tie dye really started to take off, I bought a bunch of white sweats and paid my sister to help me dye them. That scaled really quickly. I'd say within two months, we hit six figures. And that was 
just 100% with influencer marketing. Wow. So I started giving influencer marketing advice to friends just casually. And then when TikTok started to rise in popularity, I started posting TikToks, giving my social media marketing advice. And that ended up taking off. And I thought that the content was going to appeal mostly to brands, but it ended up appealing mostly to creators. So I started to get some brand deals, mostly with like creator economy tech companies that wanted to appeal to creators. Yeah, They were like, hey, your audience is all creators. Can you get some creators on our app? I was like, yeah, for sure. That's super on brand for me. So right, started taking those collabs. And honestly, TikTok pricing was all over the place. <laughs> I knew this from when I was running influencer marketing campaigns myself. But now it was personal because now I didn't know how to price myself. So I posted exactly. on, on social to like my audience of creators. Hey, would you guys mind telling me what you've been paid on past brand deals? If you do, I'll make it public for everyone. I'll put together a graph of averages so that everyone can use this to decide at least a ballpark range of how much they should be getting paid. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think there's ever a way going to be a way to perfectly standardize it because there are just so many nuances to consider when you're collaborating with creators. Yeah. But I do think that we can get to the point where there's like at least a baseline for people to base it off of. Yeah. Anything is better than nothing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that was the start of what is now Influent. And my goal in building Influent, which is my tech startup, is to create a tool that just makes it easier for creators to be creators. I found out as soon as I started creating content for brands as a traditional content creator, just how challenging it is and how little time you end up Mm -hmm. spending on the actual content creation. (laughs) Literally, yeah. (laughs) I mean, 90% of my time working with brands as a creator is spent on logistics, outreach, managing inbound negotiations. There's so much behind the scenes that people don't see. And then I don't have the time that I would like to have to spend on creative and coming up with concepts and filming and editing and all of that. Right. So Influent is meant to be a networking tool for creators to be able to get in touch with brands and um, be able to apply to work with the brands that they already use and love and attend brand events, receive PR from their favorite brands, and even create content on their favorite brands' TikTok accounts. Love that. That is something that I didn't really anticipate building for, but am realizing is a very, very high demand right now. Yeah, the brands need it. Yes. Brands want creators to take over their TikTok accounts and create that content in-house, kind of just like organic, right? that they can spark, they can promote, they can build their own following. I think everyone has seen what Duolingo and some of the other TikTok brands have done. (laughs) And they want a piece of that. And then on the flip side, I start posting about this and creators are dying to create content for brands and not have to post it on their page with their audience. Right. Influent definitely sounds like it will be a nice hub for, you know, like just creators, like you said, to be more of creators. It's true. Like people don't realize how much behind the scenes work goes on and everyone wants to be a content creator. Everyone wants to be an influencer until they realize how much work there is that's not creating. Mm -hmm. And that's how we weed out a lot of the creators, honestly. But 
it is true. Like any tool that we can have that will help us be just more of creators, I think is always welcome if you ask me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to kind of dive into data and analytics a little bit more. I'm sure that you've used data from, you know, your how your videos have performed, how different marketing strategies have worked for you. You've probably used the data in pretty much every one of your your ventures and everything. And you've been so successful. So obviously, whatever you're doing with your data is working really well. So I would love to hear a little bit more about like how you think data can be useful for creators and then a little bit about how you use it. I think that data is just really empowering regardless yeah. of what you you choose to do with it. It's nice to know, oh, this is why this video performed so well or this is why this YouTube video got so many clicks compared to this one because a lot of it is creative and then a lot of it is just like tiny little psychological factors that make the difference between, you know, someone scrolling or someone sticking around to see what you have to say. Yeah. So the way that I got into, I've always loved data and numbers and science. I'm the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I love that stuff. But the way I got into it with social media is when I first started growing on TikTok, I would have like one video a week that would hit a million. And then I would have some videos that were like barely hitting 10,000. Yeah. And I was like, what is with this inconsistency? And that is just part of TikTok. There's no way to fully eliminate of course, the variability. But I started putting all of my TikToks into spreadsheets and analyzing all of these little performance factors to decide or to be able to try and interpret and see what was making the biggest difference in these videos' performance. Was it the intro? Was it the formatting? Was it the content topic? And it turns out, this might not be a surprise to many creators, but the intro determines like 90% of the video's performance. On TikTok, you know, the content is so short. You have typically around a 30 second video. You have like half a second to capture someone's attention. (laughs) So you need to pull out all the stops. You need to, usually the best performing intros address a pain point that is commonly experienced by the creator's audience. So if you're a skincare creator, you might address sensitive skin or acne prone skin in the first sentence of your video Mm -hmm. and then go on to explain whatever you're going to explain. Pain points just really resonate with people. And then the other option for the intro is to just open up with value. But regardless of what you're doing, that first sentence needs to be extremely compelling right? because you just don't have long to capture the attention. Other helpful things in intros include, obviously, great lighting. Movement can be really helpful. What's growing in popularity on TikTok is doing other things while you're filming. So Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Instead of just talking to the camera, you're maybe doing your makeup while you talk to the camera or you're making an iced coffee. And I think this comes from, it's like this rebound effect from Instagram. We hate how polished and fake and impersonal Instagram feels. Right. Well, TikTok, we're pushing to feel like we're on FaceTime with our friends. Yes, exactly. If you're on FaceTime with your friend and you're telling them about this great new product or the vacation you're planning, odds are you're not just devoted to telling them. If you're on FaceTime for an hour, you might make your ice coffee while you're talking to your friend, or you might walk down the street. So people are really into that. 
but yeah, I could go on forever about all the different (laughs) nuances. There are so many of them. And I actually, I want to kind of like dive into this a tiny bit deeper. So with hooks, what are, like, should they be a question? Should they be a stat, a sentence? Like, what do you, what have you found that performs the best in terms of hooks? Yeah. So using the word you in the first sentence of the video is uh, usually it's associated with high performance. It's not the only way to have a high performing intro. I don't want people to feel like they always have to use the word you, but it typically helps. Um, And I think that is in part due to the fact that sentences that include the word you are always directed toward the audience and talking about how you can bring value to your audience. It's less of a here are my favorite things and more of a, here are three products you'll love. So that's helpful. But really the biggest thing is addressing a pain point. So I think the reason this works so well is partially because again, it's like addressing the audience and people are more concerned with what's in it for them than they are in, you know, a stranger's interests. Cause you are just a stranger to the people who are finding you on the for you page. Yeah. Um, and then also because we're very problem and solutions driven. So if we hear that someone is experiencing or has experienced a pain point that we've experienced and that they're offering advice on how to overcome that, um, that's just really compelling. So that's probably the stickiest type of intro that I've noticed. Yeah. And you bring up a good point too with creators, instead of saying, these are my favorite skincare products and shifting that to, do you have dry skin? These are products you should try. Because at the end of the day, yes, we care about the creators that we follow, but we follow them because they're giving us something. They're giving us something of value. They're teaching us something. You know, like it it really is about what's in it for us. (laughs) So when you can address that in the beginning, it definitely is a great way to get people to actually listen because they want to know how you can better their life or what you can do for them. At the end of the day, creators really are service providers, but we're we're providing that service as well to our audience, just like we are for brands. So it's an interesting kind of perspective that I don't know that every creator really thinks about. I ask all the time when I work with creators and they're like, okay, you know, uh, I want my content pillars to be fashion and beauty because I, I like fashion and beauty. And I'm like, okay, but what do you want? like the audience to get out of that. They're like, well, I don't know. Like, I want to share my outfits because I like fashion. And I'm like, okay, but like, what are you doing for them? Like, if you liked fashion, you could just like fashion. You don't have to share it online. You know, why are you sharing it? Yeah. It has to be about giving something to someone else, you know, sharing something with other people. Absolutely. And I think that people are so quick to say, oh, that doesn't work for my niche where fashion is a perfect example of, I've heard so many people say, well, how do you make fashion educational? education is huge right now. Subtly working education into your content is one of the best things that you can do for yourself and for your audience as a content creator. You'll get paid more by brands. Your content will perform better. Your audience will grow more quickly. So I always am encouraging people to incorporate education and that if you are educating, you're bringing value. So with fashion, that's a perfect example. Instead of showing outfit of the day, look how great my outfit is, or look how much designer clothing I can afford. (laughs) That might've worked on Instagram, but on TikTok, people want more than that. So we see right through it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) On TikTok, I want to know how can I style this white t-shirt 10 different ways so that I can make more out of the 
wardrobe I already have? Yeah. Or how can I, where are the best places to thrift, best tips for thrifting? You know, like how can I best put together a wardrobe with, you know, just a few articles of clothing. There are so many ways to apply education to every niche. And that's what the internet's asking for now. We're over the aesthetics. Yeah. It's boring. Exactly. No, we definitely are. And I'm sure that's why so many people are shifting to TikTok. Like it's a, it's a totally different world over there compared to Instagram. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about this spreadsheet too. So you kind of mentioned that you put all of your content into a spreadsheet. So first of all, because I'm a very visual person, I want to see like in my head, what does this spreadsheet look like? Like, what are you putting on here? What were you tracking? I just came up with a bunch of different markers that I thought would have an impact on video performance. So I think my initial set of criteria that I was looking at were content topic, intro, length of video, editing style. And for editing, I was just looking at did was the video done in a single take or did it use jump cuts? Mm -hmm. And I think I looked at outro call to action. Okay. I also think I at one point looked at, does the video use a trending sound? Right. Trending sounds, just so everyone knows. That makes a doesn't make a, It doesn't actually make a huge <laughs> difference though in your follower count, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. But in terms of yeah. views, I feel like typically when I'm using a trending sound, it will get a little bit more views. Yeah. Definitely does not always translate to followers though. That's for sure. Exactly. Which is why people should not chase virality because you might get a video to perform exceptionally well. You could get millions of views and barely convert any of those viewers to followers. Yeah. If you're not talking to the camera, forming a connection, bringing value through education, people might find your video entertaining, but they're not going to be compelled to follow you. Yeah, exactly. So with the intros, I looked at different, I honestly just put the first sentence of my video into the spreadsheet. And then I looked at the sentences and looked for patterns. Mm -hmm. So I found that a lot of my highest performing videos used the word you, that most of them were addressing pain points. It's hard to quantify this data because so it's really all qualitative. Yeah. But those are the patterns that I noticed with my intros and what was performing best. And then I've also done this with other people's content and the same patterns exist. And then with video length around 30 seconds is typically highest performing. Mm -hmm. I think that's like long enough to provide value, but not so long that you lose attention. Yeah, exactly. I remember seeing when uh, TikTok was like, we're coming out with 10 minute videos. I was like, do you guys understand that no one is going to watch a 10 minute video here? That's what we go to YouTube for. Exactly. I think all these social media apps are trying to overtake one another. And I'm when I am searching for something specific on YouTube, sure, I'll watch a longer video. Yeah. But on TikTok, which is fully discovery based, I just want little bite sized pieces of information and entertainment. Yep, exactly. I also looked at the the jump cut versus single take was really interesting. People much prefer to watch videos that include a bunch of jump cuts. 100%. I don't know if people feel like they're getting the highest value, most edited version of something, if it's just that the jump cuts hold everyone's fleeting attention or what. Um, That's my guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's great news for creators because it's so much easier to film videos that you're going to chop up than it is to get something right in a single take. (laughs) Honestly, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then there are a few other things that I looked at that weren't in the original spreadsheet, but just patterns that I noticed and started tracking over time. 
if you can get a video that is part of a series to perform well, you're much more likely to convert followers than you are yes. getting an independent video to perform well. If someone finds a series, they're going to go back and watch the previous videos within the series. They're going to follow along so they can see the future videos in the series. Yeah. Series are very powerful if you can get them to do well. Yeah, that's something I've actually just started to experiment with. And it really has made such a big difference for me. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to even link some of the older videos in my caption as well so that people can already start going back. Mm -hmm. And I created a playlist of all the videos in this series so they can just literally sit and go through all of them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would definitely agree with that. The series have been a huge difference made a huge difference Mm -hmm. another thing too that I've noticed as well is stories in general again like so if thinking about it in like a FaceTime situation like you had mentioned if I am trying to teach someone I did one the other day about going from uh gifted to paid you know like what does that look like when you're getting approached with a gifted collaboration wanting to turn it into something paid and I told a story about it while I was giving the advice and it it went so well and I even had people commenting saying like I love how you told this story and I was just like it's crazy that people notice those kind of things but again like I think it comes down to people just want to feel like they're not being necessarily like sold something or like have to buy into something like they just want to feel like they're hanging out you know and if you can do that in whatever way makes it feel like you're just hanging out with your friends, that's definitely a really good way to convert viewers into followers for sure. Yeah. Storytelling has been doing really well on TikTok. Um, It's been something that's really helped a lot of brands grow recently by just kind of telling the story of how and why the brand was founded. Right. The storytelling format that's working exceptionally well is opening up with a pain point or an issue. the more dramatic you can make that, the better. (laughs) Right. And then, um, moving into the story, kind of telling that in the traditional story arc way. Yep. And then giving a resolution and a call to action at the end of the video, which I mean, I guess all of this seems pretty intuitive. I I think it's pretty intuitive, but I think it's also nice to have it laid out when you're trying to think about how am I going to script this video? Exactly. No, I completely agree with that. And so I think I had interrupted you when you were going through the rest of your database. <laughs> what else did you say you were tracking on there? Or you were going through kind of like what you found from each of them? So I talked about what I found with the intros. intros. Mm-hmm. And that jump cuts, video with jump cuts yes. perform better. Approximately 30 seconds is the ideal length for the video. Um, videos with some sort of call to action at the end tend to perform better. And that doesn't have to be a like, comment, follow, whatever call to action, like the traditional Mm -hmm. YouTube outro. A lot of the best performing calls to action say, comment below your niche if you're having trouble with this or Mm -hmm. comment below your favorite whatever. Just to get people to engage. People love engaging, interacting, sharing their opinions, but sometimes they need to be prompted. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and then other high-performing outros include asking your audience to do something, but in exchange for value. So it's like, click the link in my bio for a full list of this, Mm -hmm. or, you know, follow along for more tips on how to improve this. Yeah. As opposed to just, if you like this video, follow. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Actually, I do have a question about that. This is something I think about a lot because I I have a lot of stuff in my bio that I want to drive traffic to. But I have heard so much about people being like, don't say link in bio, don't type link in bio, like, and because they don't want you to get off the TikTok app, or at least that's the science, quote unquote, behind it. Mm -hmm. Have you found any truth in that? Was there anything in kind of your study there that you realized made a difference? So I haven't noticed a difference in performance with referencing LinkedIn bio. I did have a period where my TikTok was being banned. I kept getting, this is maybe, this is like over a year ago now. I was getting so many community violations. It kept saying that I was violating guidelines and none of them ever made sense. It was just like something coming from the AI. And I ended up getting in touch with some people at TikTok and they told me to stop referencing link interesting like link in bio whatever yeah because at the time they were having so much crypto and like web3 spam oh yeah 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 that they were that was getting flagged because there were all these bots saying to like go to the link in bio and buy yeah, yeah. crypto with this random person <laughs> oh yeah I, I feel like i still get comments like that all the time and i'm like how yeah. are you finding my account please go away <laughs> I know. it's always like this person changed my life call 1877 mm-hmm. you know literally yeah <laughs> it's funny with that i realized that if i have any hashtags that will say like Instagram hack or anything about Instagram, I find that I get those comments like 10 times more than I would on any Mm. other video. I don't know if that's just like coincidence or not, but I stopped using those hashtags and I almost never get those spammy comments anymore. But I was using them quite a bit previously and I would get Mm -hmm. so many of them. So maybe I'm onto something. (laughs) Yeah. Sidebar about hashtags. I have completely stopped using them on TikTok. I haven't noticed any change in my video performance since I've stopped using them. And the reason I did it is because I wanted to be able to post random things about my life. Yeah. I am all about bringing value as a content creator. Yeah. I think it's important to prioritize your audience and think about how you can help them and, and what value you can bring to them. Right. But at the same time, I love feeling like friends with the people who follow me. Yeah. And honestly, I now am friends with a lot of the people who follow me in real life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I don't think that you can have that connection with your audience if you have yourself in this box and you're like, I can't share this. I go on a lot of walks. Yeah. And I've gotten like super, super into being active for my mental wellness and all that. Yeah. And when I go on these walks and runs, I always have these thoughts, whether it's because of a podcast that I'm listening to or a, an audiobook, or because I just like have this little realization and there's like a cheesy quote or some sort of life advice I want to share with my audience. Yeah. I used to be like, oh, well, I can't share that because it's not social media growth advice. Yeah. And I dropped the hashtags because I was like, no, I want to be able to share this with my audience. This is something that I heard on, you know, Jay Shetty or whatever. And it helped me with my mindset as a creator and entrepreneur, just a person. Yeah. What if it helps my followers? I want to be able to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I dropped the hashtags and it wasn't really strategic, but I haven't noticed a different performance. Interesting. See, I'll tell you, I have mixed feelings about hashtags on TikTok, Mm -hmm. but on Instagram, I will forever till the day I die use hashtags. I like, I don't know, maybe I have a good strategy with the ones that I'm finding and they're working for me for whatever reason. But I get so much of my reach from hashtag views on Instagram. 
And I mean, it's nice that we have that information. Like speaking of data and analytics, if TikTok could give us <laughs> more of that, that would be really nice. But yeah, it's interesting on TikTok. Like I, I always use them because I feel like I have to almost. And like, I'm like, well, if I don't, what, who knows what will happen? I don't want to take a chance. Yeah. But, you know, like it, I don't know that I've ever again, I don't have the data to say it's working or it's not working. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more difficult. I actually just started, one of my friends was working with this TikTok mentor and she was like, it's so great. He sends you an email every day and he's basically like, you know, oh, you should change this about your video for next time, whatever. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I am always open to, you know, hearing what I can improve and having someone that every day is going to come on and do that. Sure. And basically he's been telling me like to use like different combinations of hashtags where I do like three niche specific hashtags and one broad one, like hashtag FYP or hashtag Mm -hmm. for you or whatever. And then there's other combinations where it might be like uh, one, two broad ones and one niche. And I've been like testing out. And again, like I don't know that there's really any difference. I haven't put all of my stuff into a spreadsheet, but you're making me want to. But from just looking at everything, I haven't really noticed that one combination makes a difference versus the other. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Hashtags on TikTok are kind of a mystery to me, but I will probably still keep using them because I'm scared of <laughs> what will happen if I don't. Yeah. I do still use them on Instagram because I can see the performance yeah, exactly. increase. Yeah. But yeah, on TikTok, I just have, there's nothing measurable. So I don't right. bother. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you've talked me into not using them just to see what happens. <laughs> if you do, <laughs> let me know. I've seen a lot of my friends do the same, and I feel like they're not that helpful on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok already scans the captions, like the, the captions on the video, as mm-hmm. well as like the subtext that you put. Um, I think that they scan all of that with AI, and so they yeah. know how to categorize your video regardless of whether you put a hashtag. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, that makes sense because how many times do you see videos that have like basically nothing in the caption that are perfectly targeted towards you? Exactly. And, you know, they're on your FYP. So it makes sense. But actually, you mentioned captions. So I do want to touch on that a little bit. Was that something that you had tracked in this kind of experiment that you did? Anything that you noticed there? Yes. So I actually I did look at captions and I noticed I'm now remembering I had one that looked at um, header text. Okay. You know, where if you like add a little piece of text to the top of your video, just supplemental text, does that help mm-hmm. video performance? And it does. With captions, all I tracked was presence of captions, absence of captions, and okay. videos with captions tend to perform better. And I think that's because so many people watch with sound off. Yeah. It makes your videos accessible to more people. So captions really help. And um, this one I haven't put into a spreadsheet yet, but it is my gut feeling that the bigger, brighter, bolder captions perform better than the TikTok auto-generated captions. Yeah. So I edit all of my content in CapCut. I add the big, bright captions. It's so nice because they auto-caption. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In those bright colors and those big bold fonts right and then you can go edit them make them match your aesthetic and then I always add a little piece of header text not always but usually yeah to my TikToks and that will just be another piece of dramatic text or something that addresses the pain point I treat that kind of like my YouTube thumbnail where I'm trying to capture the attention you know your brain works faster than 
you can speak. Right. So while someone's listening to you talk, they can also quickly take in that header text. And that's just another opportunity for you to capture someone's attention by hitting the nail on the head for them. And you know, yeah, including the pain point that's going to keep them from scrolling or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually I'm glad you mentioned CapCut because I don't know if anyone is listening and has not used it. It's literally such a good editing app. <laughs> like it's really, really awesome. It does everything that you need it to do. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's similar now to how this like new editing uh, process, I guess, on TikTok is where you can like drag the text and everything. But I like the idea of being able to customize the text a little bit more. I use it a lot for Instagram. CapCut is a lifesaver. It is my most used app by far. I just recently got a partnership with them and they are my most on-brand partnership because I use them like five times a day. (laughs) (laughs) And I use them to do the auto captions, the header text, to chop up the video into little clips. Yeah. I will like zoom on some clips Mm -hmm. and then zoom out on others. That also helps video performance. I think it helps hold people's attention. I use it for voiceovers. Everything is just so easy in CapCut. It's so fast. Yeah, I agree. I used to be an InShot user. And as soon as I started needing that auto-generated caption, that's what brought me to CapCut. And now I feel like I can't go back to (laughs) (laughs) InShot. I know, same. So I feel that. So I want to shift gears just a tiny bit. I know that at Influent, you obviously are connecting brands with creators. So I'd love to talk a little bit about how creators can more successfully work with brands. I mean, that's that's the biggest question that I'm asked all the time is like, how do I work with brands? How do I work with brands? And obviously, we could be here all day talking about that. But I want to almost dive into kind of like the analytics of working with brands. So from your experiences connecting brands with creators, are there any specific analytics that those brands are looking for when they're considering creators to work with? Yes. And I'll tell you what I tell brands to look for um, if they want to have a successful campaign. There you go. (laughs) So first of all, anyone can fill out the little form in my bio if they want to be connected with brands. I am just love, I love connecting the cool brands that I work with and cool creators that I know. So it's just like a newsletter and I send out different brand opportunities once or twice a week. Awesome. But for the specifics on how to best work with brands, number one is treat your platform like you're getting ready to work with brands. So you should be talking about your favorite products. You should be I mean, talking to the camera, period. I can't tell you how many yeah. people are like, hey, I'd love to work with brands. And all of their videos are like aesthetic, voiceovers, trendy sounds. I'm like, you need a connection with your audience. So you need to be talking to the camera. Yeah. Get good at that first. Then get good at talking about your favorite products. Tell them about the moisturizer that changed your life. Tell them about your favorite white t-shirt. Tell them about the editing app that you love to use. Yeah. Like, talk to your audience about the stuff you love, because then when you partner with a brand and you say, these are my my favorite running shoes. If you've been talking about the equipment you use or the workout gear, like now it's going to be, feel like a natural extension of your organic content. Whereas if all of your videos are just 30 second quick workout videos, and all of a sudden you're like, I love Nike running shoes. (laughs) People are going to be like, you were paid to say this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it feels, it's like a weird, like an ick. I don't know. People are just like, "Mm, 
you're selling me something. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> exactly. And it's fine if it feels natural. If you're like, yeah. well, yeah, this person has, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on, on the TikToker's name that I'm thinking of, but I follow a TikToker and she's always been talking about Hoka running shoes and how much she loves mm-hmm. them. And she will, has gone for runs like every single day and shows herself using them. And so now yeah. she has a Hoka partnership and people don't get the ick from that. They're like, congratulations, yeah, exactly. you're working with your favorite brand. But if they, if she partnered with Nike on running shoes, people would be like, wait, those are the <laughs> shoes that you post about all the time. Yeah. Like people, people can yeah. scope it out. They scope exactly. out the bullshit. They can, they can see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially now with like the younger users of these platforms who have grown up with the internet. It's yeah. like they see right through yeah. cheap advertising. Right. So that's probably the biggest thing that I would say. Another thing I'd say is create educational content. Yeah. Uh, again, that helps with your content performance, helps you grow your following, grow your following in general. But what's so great about educational content is the best performing brand partnership content is pretty much always the content where the influencer is educating on all of the value adds of this specific product. So instead of an aesthetic video where I show you this face mask, that that's just like not super compelling. It might create a little brand awareness, but I don't feel like, Oh my God, I have to go purchase that face mask. Right. If there's a video where you're like, this face mask has AHAs and BHAs and it exfoliates your skin. It's super gentle. It doesn't have any fragrance. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm feeling like I want to buy the face mask. So what you need to do in the rest of your content is talk about the educate on skincare. If this is your niche. Yeah. So you want to tell people why AHAs and BHAs are so great. So now you're talking about a face mask that includes them. And I'm going to be like, I know that you truly stand by these ingredients and this feels natural. Exactly. So uh, educating your audience is huge. And on the brand side, I'm always telling brands to partner with creators who educate because their partnered bit content always performs better than creators right. who don't educate. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. So basically you're telling them to look for creators that have content that already is basically like selling. They're already creating stuff about brands that they love. What other things should, or are brands basically looking at from creators? Um, I mean, I think they're obviously everyone's looking for creators with engaged audiences. Is there a way that they like quantify that? On Instagram, I think most brands use the traditional calculation. Yeah, engagement rate. Right, right. On TikTok, there's a lot more variability in content performance. It's a little bit harder to look at. Right. But overall, I think most brands are looking for about 10% engagement on most videos. Mm -hmm. You can definitely have videos that are lower engagement and higher. There's that's just going to be natural, especially because I don't want people to feel scared to post lower content videos or videos that are kind of spammy. I heard someone on TikTok say that being a creator is like being a music artist. When you release an album, there are going to be a few songs that people adore. They're your biggest hits. Most of them are going to perform decently well. And then there are going to be a Mm -hmm. few that really only connect with your super fans. Yeah. But still you want to bring value to your super fans. Right. No, that's a really great point. That's a good analogy for sure. Yeah, I think that that's uh, good for creators to keep in mind. But most of the brands that I've worked with, I will say, look for 
an average of 10% engagement on most videos with definitely Mm -hmm. some room for variability. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, with Instagram, I think it's almost harder sometimes to get engagement. I don't know. I guess I can see it both ways. Like with TikTok, you just have so much more of an opportunity to just get on pages of people that have never seen you before and might be super interested in what you're saying. So it's easy for them to be like, oh my gosh, just found your page. This is so helpful. And then yes, they're followers, but they're also engaging in the content. Whereas on Instagram, it's harder to, I would say, reach all these other people that aren't you know, seeing you constantly and are already following you. And you usually have that group of people that follows you that is always interacting. And then it it's harder to, unless you're growing your following, it's harder to grow that number. Whereas on TikTok, it's like every day is so different. You just never know what you're going to get. And your engagement can be so high on some of them, depending on how far out your video is getting pushed. So I almost feel like on TikTok, having a higher engagement rate as an industry standard than on Instagram. Like that makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that brands who really do their homework look for cult like followings almost. Yeah. Where the creator super consistently posts multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Their audience is really engaged. They kind of have inside jokes. They have you know, recurring video styles and series. Yeah. And comments are another really big one. If your comments are engaged, that's very telling. Yeah. I think that's the best, you know, way for brands to measure like how engaged is the community. Cause likes you know, like you tap it when you go by, it doesn't really mean much. But taking the time out of your day to like sit there, watch the whole video, think of something to say, leave the comment. Like, Mm -hmm. I know it's a quick process, but it's really not a quick process in comparison to likes and things like that. So when you have a creator who's getting a lot of comments, that definitely shows you something. And I think when it comes to creators getting more comments, it really does come down to how you were kind of mentioning this call to action. Like you sometimes have to serve that on a silver platter to people. Hey, this is what I want you to go comment because some people just either a maybe don't feel comfortable. They're like, oh, she's never going to see this. Like, I'm not going to bother leaving this comment. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they just don't know what to say. So if you can tell them, hey, go comment this. I'm looking at the comments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that so this analogy I'm about to share is top of mind because I was just at a concert yesterday, but the best creators bring value to their audience and also encourage engagement. If you think about being at a concert, a band could give a great performance and you're like, wow, that was a great performance. They did really well. They were great to listen to, but then the really great band that makes a great concert is the one that gives a great performance and hypes up the audience and involves everyone and is telling them to put their hands in the air and they're telling them to get out their phone lights. Yeah. Just really engages everyone. So your job as a creator is to bring value, but to also get the conversation started and engage your audience and hype them up and give them a reason to want to be on your platform and interact with you. No, I love that. That is also a really good analogy. You are like queen of analogies today. (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, it makes it a lot easier for people to understand though, for sure. So I would love to end this off by, and this is a tough question. What is your biggest piece of advice for any creator who's listening right now? I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but (laughs) just post it. Post everything 
stop overthinking, stop trying to perfect it. I don't know a single creator who likes the first piece of content that they posted. Um, but I will tell you (laughs) that the only people who are successful were so committed to consistently posting before they ever knew if it would work out. Yeah. And I know saying that comes from a place of privilege because you, a lot of people's life circumstances make it a lot more challenging to post daily on TikTok than others. Yeah. But I just have not seen anyone succeed without finding time to post multiple times a day in the beginning on TikTok. I agree. And I mean, at the end of the day, yes, everyone's schedules are different, but like you can batch create stuff, you know, like Mm -hmm. no one is working 24 seven, if might Mm -hmm. feel like that, but you can find an hour to just create a ton of content that you can share throughout the week. If you want it bad enough, I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm a, a firm believer that you know, if, if you want it, you'll make it happen somehow. You'll you'll wake up an hour earlier. You'll mm-hmm. go to bed an hour later. Like you'll figure it out. But yes, yeah. just do it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Being a creator is a lot like being an entrepreneur. And I think that the separating factor between entrepreneurs and people who just sit on good ideas is that entrepreneurs will put a ton of work into something before ever knowing yeah. if or when that work will pay off. Whereas most people, they, they want that guarantee. They want to go to yeah. the traditional path and get a degree because then they know they'll earn X amount per year. Right. And that's the same with being a content creator. You have to put in a ton of work before you know if anyone is going to be interested or follow you. Exactly. Exactly. There, it's a risk you're taking. And it's scary because it's a lot of time and energy. But mm-hmm. how will you ever know if you never do it? Exactly. well thank you so much this was amazing all of jules's information is below for you guys to go follow her jules thank you so much i'm so excited that you had the the time to spend with us today and everyone can go check out influent and get sent some really amazing brand opportunities so thank you again so much for being here thank you so much for having me i loved the conversation Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.